day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When you submit yourself, humble yourself, and you do that the way God has made our wives husbands, when you do that, God has made and wired our wives, if I can say it like that, to just melt because of that. Because that's loving. And we're to love them as Christ loves the church and gave himself, submitted himself for. As Pastor J.D. continues his teaching series through the book of Philemon, you'll be exhorting women to submit and respect their husbands and for men to be loving and understanding. The Bible challenges husbands to lay down their own lives for their wives, just as Jesus laid down his own life for the church. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philemon chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. With all due respect, Pastor, I'm the man of the house. Oh, really? Yeah. I wear the pants in my family. I'm the head of my home. Wow. How's that working out for you? Now, please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about abdicating our God-given authority as the heads of our homes, men. But you know what our problem is? When it comes to the things that we want to be the authority in, we're right there. But what about taking the lead when it means taking the high road? See, we're really quick to exercise our God-given authority, right? We're going to take the lead. I'm the spiritual leader in my home. Okay, great. Why don't you take the lead and submit? Why don't you be the first one in the lead to submit? Here's an example. This, of course, is theoretical for me because as the pastor, I have a perfect marriage. So (laughs) this is theoretical, hypothetical, right? So let's say you have a husband and wife, and um, they're having a conflict slash argument, or as one pastor called it for a pastor and his wife, it's called intense fellowship. (laughs) I mean, you're going at it back and forth. Me, what about you? That's the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, you know all of them, right? And and there's actually two words that you will find very prominent, very pronounced in these intense moments of fellowship as husband and wife. You know what those two words are? They're trigger words. Be careful when you use them. Always and never. Oh my goodness. You always. You never. Again, I'm talking hypothetically. This is not for me. I have a perfect marriage. 
So you're standing your ground, and so is she. And the more she digs her heels in, the more you dig your slippers in. (laughs) And then it just escalates until someone takes the lead out of reverence for Christ, says, you know what? I'm sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. And then sometimes you start fighting the other way. Wait, you can't do that. No, I'm sorry first. (laughs) You start fighting again about who's more repentant and who's more submissive, who's more selfless. Is it not true that when that happens, it just diffuses the whole situation? Now we can talk. Now we can talk. A soft answer turns away wrath. It's a humbling of oneself. It's a submitting of oneself to the other and saying, you know, here I am in my smugness defending myself, attacking you, and then you're defending yourself and attacking me, and it just makes it worse. What are we doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're giving a foothold to the devil. And that's why Paul exhorts us by the Holy Spirit to not let the sun go down on your anger. You know, my wife and I early on in our um, perfect marriage (laughs) um, made a decision. It's probably one of the best decisions we ever made in our marriage. I always know I've made a good decision when My only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. But we just resolved to never discuss weighty issues at night when we're tired. Because we don't have the bandwidth, nor do we have the grace, nor do we have the mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Isn't it interesting what a good night's sleep can do? So you just agree to, hey, we're going to, Revisit this in the morning. Let's just come together, not give the devil a foothold, so we can at least try to get a good night's sleep. And then you wake up in the morning, and His mercies are new every morning. And sometimes it's kind of like, wait, what were we arguing about last night? Ah, it doesn't matter now. Oh, interesting. Reminds me of a humorous story I heard once about this husband boasting. You know, we never go to bed angry. You never go to bed angry? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like two o'clock in the morning. But sure enough, my wife will come crawling on her hands and knees, and she'll say to me, Come out from underneath that bed, you coward, and fight like a man. <laughs> Husbands, let's talk for just a moment. Wives, don't, don't make it worse than it already is, okay? I just want to humbly offer a suggestion. When, not if, you're in a situation 
where you're going back and forth like that? Why don't you just try this? Just say, you know what, honey? You're right. I'm wrong. Because you are wrong. And she is right. Wait a minute. Come on. You wimp of a man. What are you talking about? Oh, uh, what about what she did wrong? No, 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 no. It's not about what she did wrong. It's not, have I been wronged? It's, have I wronged? And here's what happens, and what should happen. When you submit yourself, humble yourself, and you do that the way God has made our wives husbands, when you do that, God has made and wired our wives, if I can say it like that, to just melt because of that. Because that's loving. And we're to love them as Christ loves the church and gave Himself, submitted Himself for and to. It's irresistible for them, because that's the way God has made them. All right, you guys okay? I'm not. <laughs> Let's talk about the wife just briefly. Wives, I, I, I wish there were a way to say this in a way that you understand, but as your husbands, we don't get it. That's why we give you that look. We really don't get it. And, and here's the other problem. Just so you know, we cannot read your minds. So there has to be this thing they call communication. And very different for your husband, because you really need to spell it out. But here's the thing. When you spell it out, don't nag them. It is not in your best interest to do that. You know, in our study through the book of Proverbs, I actually never saw this until we went verse by verse through Proverbs, one of my favorite books in the Bible, by the way. But you know that proverb, it says that, you know, it is better to eat a crumb of bread on your roof than it is to eat, you know, prime rib, medium rare, in your house with a contentious woman. Right? So I I love prime rib, but it's more better eat a crumb of bread on the roof. (laughs) It's a second here now. So it starts off with that one. Then the next time you see that proverb, he's no longer on the roof eating a crumb of bread. He's like out in the wilderness. It is better to be out in the jungle with all the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, than it is to be in the house with a contentious woman. And then of course there's the one about, you know, the contentious woman is like that leaking faucet. Drip, drip, drip. Drives you out of your mind and out of your house too. (laughs) 
all the way into the wilderness. Don't be contentious. You're not getting through to them. That's just the way we are. We don't hear anything. Once you hit a certain octave, a certain key, I mean, we don't hear anything. It's lights out, game over. I mean, all we're hearing is yelling. You never, you always, that's all we hear. So if as the husband, we're truly the leader and take the lead in being the first to submit, then they will submit, and then now we can talk. And we can solve this problem. And here's another novel idea. Why don't you pray? I know, right? It's like the wife who says to her husband, honey, we need to pray. To which the husband responds, is it that bad? Why is prayer always the last resort? Now, that's not to say that there may need to be a cooling off period where you just kind of get along with the Lord first. Because, you know, if you say, hey, let's, let's pray. I don't want to pray with you right now. Okay. I love you, but I don't like you right now. That's fine. So just go to the Lord. I'll go to the Lord. And then after we've both gone to the Lord, then we'll, we'll come back together. I assure you, when you come back together, after you went to the Lord, <laughs> it's going to be like, what would you do with my wife? What did you do with my, where did my husband go? Who are you? Oh, I, I was with Jesus. Oh, really? What did he tell you? No, you go first. What did he tell you? <laughs> it's a submitting of oneself out of reverence for Christ. I tell you, you know, you bring these three together. I, I called them ingredients in this recipe for success. But you take meekness and selflessness and submissiveness. How are you going to argue with that? Right? It takes two to fight. What's that saying? It takes two to tango? If, If one is meek, selfless, and submitted, what are you going to do? You're going to, oh, I know what you do, because I do it too. You try to stir it up. Come on, let's do this. We're doing this. No, I'm not doing this. Come on, let's do it. No, I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. I submit. I need to make it right. Yeah, but you're the man of the house. I know. Yeah, but you have the God-given authority. I know. But think about it like this. Like with Paul, can you imagine if he would have exercised and insisted on his God-given authority to make Philemon do what he wanted him to do, instead of doing it like this? It's, It's like, you know, when you're telling a child, sit down. And 
they're there like, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You want it like that? You want it like that? I'll get my wife to submit. You want it like that? Oh, is that how it is? So they're not doing it out of love, but by force. How's that working out for you? See, this is what Paul was doing here, and this is why Paul was doing what he was doing here. Philemon, and you got to know that he loved this brother so much. And the feelings were mutual, by the way. Philemon with Paul, and now Onesimus is in the picture. And I'm sure that there was some resentment and bitterness and anger on the part of Philemon towards Onesimus. But this is kind of a game changer because <laughs> Paul leads him to Christ. You know, if I'm Philemon, I'm like, really, he got saved? Now I've got to forgive him. Got to reconcile with him. There's something in our flesh, you know, in our flesh, Paul said, there, I know there dwells no good thing. One translation, really more of a paraphrase, renders it, in my flesh it is rotten through and through. In my flesh there dwells no good. There's something about our flesh that thrives on the adrenaline and the anger and the pride. It feeds and it grows. But when you submit out of meekness and selflessness, you introduce the Holy Spirit into the equation. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. So Philemon's going to do this, not because Paul ordered him to, but he's going to do this because of his love for Jesus and his love for Paul. And can you imagine? I would have loved to have been there to see this reconciliation. I'm sure tears were shed. Can you imagine how this would have blessed the Apostle Paul? Is that not how we want it to be? The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. It doesn't force doesn't override, doesn't overrule, doesn't demand, command. No. And truth be made known, lastly in closing, when it really comes down to it, you want that person responding in kind. Because even if you were to do it the other way and force them into this doing what you want them to do, the fruit of it is going to be bitter. And this is why the writer of Hebrews says, let no root of bitterness take hold because it will eat your lunch. It will defile you. It will destroy you. Once you let just a little bit of resentment start to germinate and sprout. It is a bitter fruit. Ah, i got to share this. This is the Holy Spirit. Just bear with me. This is the last thing. Okay. There was a guy by the name of Ahithophel. 
This was David's right-hand man. And we're told that when he spoke, it was the oracles of God. It was like he was speaking the word of God from, from God himself. He was David's most trusted advisor, Ahithophel. So, you all know about what happened with David. He commits adultery with Bathsheba, has her husband Uriah murdered by putting him on the front lines, has his military commander Joash basically murder him to try to cover up the pregnancy. Um, he thinks he gets away with it. About a year goes by, and then, of course, the prophet Nathan, really a type of the Holy Spirit, confronts David, and then he just, you are the man, and he repents. And God forgives him and puts away from him that sin. And you know what's really interesting about David? He never did that again. It was a true godly sorrow that led to a genuine repentance. He never did that again the rest of his life. But he surely suffered the consequences of that for the rest of his life. So his son Absalom rises up against him. Can you imagine this? Your own son whom you love so much wants to kill you? That was Absalom. And who's there at Absalom's side to help him kill King David? Ahithophel. What? I thought he was David's most trusted advisor. Yeah. But here's what happened. This uh, Bathsheba, as it turns out, this was Ahithophel's granddaughter. And he held in his heart this resentment, this anger, and this bitterness. And he waited by the phone for a call that would come from Absalom. And as soon as Absalom called him and told him his plan, he's right there. And you know how it ends for him? It doesn't end well. He ends up taking his own life. Ahithophel. That's the end of bitterness. Don't let it germinate. Uproot it. Uproot it. If you don't, it will destroy your life. Your life, if you harbor it. It is not just dangerous. It is deadly. It is deadly. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the book of Philemon. This book is a personal letter from the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon. The meat of the message is related to Philemon's slave running away and how Paul encouraged Philemon to forgive his slave who had come to know Christ. This idea of forgiveness isn't new, but it's not always easy to do when you feel you've been wronged. Forgiveness is truly an act of God in your heart. Are you wrestling with forgiving someone for a wrong they've done to you? If so, this book may be a helpful reminder that God calls us to forgive just as He's forgiven us. 
If you'd like to hear this message again, head over to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're on our website, you can access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. There are many topics covered that might be of interest to you. Again, our website is calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you're interested in listening to these messages on the go, search for In Spirit and Truth in the iTunes Store. You can also watch the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update at jdfarag.com. We're nearing the end of our time with you today, but we're glad you listened in. These messages are interesting and insightful, and it's something to look forward to. We hope you'll join us next time as Pastor J.D. will teach through God's Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, right here on In Spirit and Truth.